Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, the fight song plays, and around Dog Nation, there is seemingly so much to celebrate. Georgia got a win on Saturday to close out its home sleigh, undefeated 11-0 for the first time since 1982, looking to cap that off on Saturday. Uh, Georgia got a five-star commitment yesterday from Jaheim Singletary. The guy that we've been touting for, Jordan Davis, hashtag JD to NYC. We've been hoping that he could get a Heisman moment on the field. He got one of those on Saturday. He got a touchdown. And we're going to talk about all those things on the show today. We are. I I can promise you that. We'll bring on John Stinchcomb. He'll help us do some of that in a little bit. But I would be remiss if I didn't begin the show by discussing a topic that's on the mind of so many uh, of you. It's fair to say, based on the comments that I've gotten on Twitter and folks who've come up to me in person the last couple of days, even though there is seemingly around Dog Nation so much to enjoy, even though seemingly that Georgia right now stands at the doorstep of what can truly be a special season, a lot of you are not in any kind of mood to celebrate today. And I want to, ta- I want to start by acknowledging that. I, I just think it's really, really important to, to, to recognize the feelings that exist around a large contention of Dog Nation right now. A lot of you are really sad, and I, I appreciate that. You've grown very used to making fun of Florida coach Dan Mullen. You've grown very used to making him the butt of jokes and knowing that as long as a goofball like that was the head coach at Florida, that Georgia was always going to be in good hands. Many of you have told me very earnestly and very honestly and genuinely you've expressed emotion about the fact that you hoped that Dan Mullen would stay Florida coach forever. Well, we were reminded again this weekend that nothing, unfortunately, lasts forever. Even a career as storied as the one that Mullen put together in Gainesville. Even things like that eventually come to an end. And like a lot of the things we've really enjoyed and a lot of the things we've really appreciated, some things seem to come to an end a little sooner than you want them to. So today, I I can't say anything to make you feel better about the fact that we don't have Dan Mullen to kick around anymore. I can't make you feel better about the fact that I have to come up with a whole new set of jokes to put out on Twitter that the old material just won't really work quite as well anymore. I can't really make you feel better about that today. But I thought here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, what was appropriate before we get into the fact that the dogs did add a five-star commit, before we get into the fact that Jordan Davis found the end zone on Saturday and George is about to throttle Georgia Tech this upcoming Saturday, before we get into any of that, Can we pause here on our program and look back on the legacy left behind as Dan Mullen was fired yesterday, looking back on that time that he spent in Gainesville as only we can here on Dog Nation Daily. So in honor of Eddie, who's obviously a little sad today, this, the top moments of the Dan Mullen era there in Florida. I came here to bring the Gators Senior back, which is a team that's going to compete for and win SEC National Championships. But I'm sure that there are play callers in the country who are Dan Mullen's equal, but I'll take him up against anybody. I think there's no one that is clearly better. Mm -hmm. He has a great sense of timing, whether it's a trick play or setting up a play and so forth. Mullen would be my guy. When you look at where Florida's program was last year, even outside of football, turmoil, I think he settled a lot of things there. He also has them better than a 4-8 and season last year. 
and he got Felipe Franks to play, I think, at the highest possible level we can see Felipe Franks play at. The coaching made a three-game difference yeah. this year so far. I want to give away all my tricks. You keep asking, I got tricks up my sleeve for the spring game. I give them all away now. No one's going to be excited to find them out after. You got to like really search for them and see if you see like little things. Yeah, there, yeah, there is. I'm gonna let you guys figure it out. <laughs> uh, you guys think about it. Get back to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we had our coaches all out on the road. Uh, I can't go into where everybody went specifically, uh, but our coach, we were, uh, we had coaches out on the road. I'm not going to get into the specifics of where everybody went and what, what's going on with it, but I'm not even going to comment on any of that stuff of who was where, when, why, and how. the season right now we'll do recruiting after the season and when it gets this recruiting time we can talk about recruiting <laughs> the uh, career of dan mullen looking back on that day or here as part of dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of george and by the way i hope y'all enjoyed that because i'm probably going to get uh my hand slapped by the big tech platforms for playing boys to men on the show but nonetheless some days you just have to break with experience you know, uh, acceptable protocol to really look back and give Mullen the the send off that he deserved. A lot of folks have wondered what happens to our program. Is Eddie going away? No, no, no. Eddie's not going anywhere. Future generations may wonder why he's named Eddie, but forever and forever that the uh, blind squirrel that is Eddie will be the mascot of Dog Nation. Daily. We always knew that Eddie was going to outlast Dan Mullen anyway. We we, we knew he'd be here forever. We knew that Dan uh, Dan Mullen's uh, tenure at Florida would be short lived. So uh, Mullen uh, uh, said says goodbye but uh eddie's not going anywhere eddie is going to be here forever and by the way gator hayton's not going out of style because while dan mullen's not at florida anymore the truth is you go back a few years ago we were you know making the same kind of jokes about jim McElwain, the shark stuff and things like that and folks wondered well when McElwain was gone uh what was going to happen to all this well you guess what you just kind of roll from one uh you know uh, doofus to the next and uh, i'm sure whoever florida brings in will have his own you know share of silly things he's a part of there but it did come to an end yesterday uh dan mullen no longer florida coach i think you have to say that kirby smart did a lot to to send dan mullen to the unemployment line and obviously uh, it'll be a new era here for uh, florida moving on i will say this in looking back at all that there a moment ago i still think my favorite moment of all of this might have been that one clip when after the bye week mullen was getting pressed so hard about 
whether or not he and his staff were recruiting. And he said, yeah, the staff was out, but you know they kept pressing him what he was doing. I'm not even going to get into it. Not even going to get into it. And yet, uh, I think it was Matt Baker, I think, from Tampa Bay Times, comes back one more time with the, but not you. You weren't out there recruiting. It's just so funny. So, so enjoyable. So goodbye to Dan Mullen, as only we can do it here on Dog Nation Daily. Now, with that said, there is a lot to talk about on the program today. And as others have pointed out, there's also a delicious, sweet irony to the fact that Mullen comes to an end at Florida. So much of his recruiting misses a huge part of that. Uh, the fact that Kirby Smart has always embraced, you know, you know, that aspect of the job and 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 really a lot of the recruiting success that George has enjoyed has almost seemingly, whether it be coincidence or not, kind of coinciding timing-wise with something bad there for Florida. And so yesterday, Jaheim Singletary announced his commitment to UGA on the same day that Florida announced it was firing Dan Mullen. There's something pretty sweet about all of that. I think we got, yeah, look at this. How great is this from Singletary on Twitter? Uh, wishing a, a wonderful happy birthday message there and some great-looking uh, special commitment edits. I mean, this is a huge get for Georgia, and I don't have to tell y'all, y'all know this to be true, that this is the kind of guy that is as big as you can bring in in a recruiting class, and it's the kind of thing that signals just how big the roll-up into early signing day in December is going to be. I mean, I'm sort of over the moon about this, even though it's not necessarily unexpected. It seemed like Georgia had been kind of you know, maybe, uh, you know, certainly one of the teams to beat for Singletary for quite some time. You got Julian Humphrey, the recent sort of flip from Florida, decommitted from Florida a couple of weeks later, committed to Georgia. He's talking about all the other guys he wants to see now join in here. Kamari Wilson's name continues to come up on all of that. And it's just as much fun cheering for Georgia right now as it ever possibly could be. Georgia gets a chance to finish off a 12-0 regular season on Saturday against the in-state rival, Georgia Tech. That's great. Eyes on the SEC championship and a spot in the college football playoff. I think a lot of Georgia fans justifiably, rightly so, feel really good about that. You know, yeah, and on top of all that, the conclusion here to the 2022 recruiting cycle feels like right now it's about as good as it's been for Georgia in a lot of regards. And all I can tell you is, you already know this to be the case, all I can tell you is, just stop and soak it all in. Soak it all up and appreciate it. I thought the Georgia fans in the game on Saturday, we'll get more to the Jordan Davis thing here in a moment, but I thought the fans in the game on Saturday did a really good job. Of that. It was If you're on half that stadium, it's always been true that, that Sanford Stadium on a November day and the sunny side is like really warm and on the the non the shaded side is really cold probably about 20 degrees temperature difference in september you want to be on the shaded side and in november you kind of want to be on the sunny side but regardless whether you're on the cold side of the stadium or the warm side of the stadium everybody there on saturday seemed to have the right idea which is hey the game itself may not mean much charleston southern doesn't really belong in the same field as uga but this is a chance to be back between the hedges to kind of enjoy a, a tailgate with friends possibly for the last time and uh, to get a chance to go out there and you know, watch this team uh, play, watch these seniors in particular. I thought the stadium was pretty full for the senior festivities to begin with. There were obviously a lot of names mentioned, and obviously what happened there at the end I thought was really cool there too. Let me also say this really quick, then we'll move on. This kind of ties back to the Singletary thing a little bit. So somebody mentioned this to me on Saturday, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about this since then, which is that I would kind of said something about, hey, you know, this will be the last time we do this until blah, blah, blah. And then somebody said, well, you know, this may not be the last time we're all in Sanford Stadium between now and G-Day. And I kind of realized what they were saying that, you know, listen, you watch the Atlanta Braves. Atlanta Braves won the World Series, had a great parade, and it culminated right there inside Truist Park. That if things go well for Georgia, 
There's a chance that Georgia's also back in Sanford Stadium again with the culmination of its own parade that'll obviously go through Athens. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that, boy, when you really consider the possibilities and what could be true with that, uh, I just think that uh, it, it's just a really fun time to be a UGA fan. When you watch the recruiting stuff unfolding, when you watch the 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 pursuit of the postseason chase for the championship we're calling it around here, this is just an incredible time to be a dog fan. And obviously, none of this comes with any guarantees. None of this comes with that rubber stamp, easy pass to playoff, national championship, or anything else. There's there's obviously a lot of emotion and a lot of tension it's still on the way but it's thanksgiving week it's a great time to express gratitude about a number of things and as a sports fan nothing wrong with stopping to appreciate the uh feeling you have right now that from a recruiting standpoint from an on-field standpoint everything is coming up uga here right now so good time to be a dog fan and frankly a really good time to be talking about it here on dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of georgia and of course uh, of course speaking of gratitude and thankfulness uh, I certainly have that for all of you for being with us here today. Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. I'm Brandon Adams. Thanks for being with us. Uh, however you're getting to it, starting at 945 with our first and 15 on dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. Rolling right into Dog Nation Daily after that on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio, Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Rep, podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, everything else. Just really happy to have you as part of our program also big thanks to our friends at Pella window and door of georgia for making it all possible you know it's been cool lately that means that you want to keep that heat on the inside of your house especially with energy bills and heating bills potentially this winter more expensive than they've ever been for all the reasons that you're aware of all the more reason to keep that energy where it's supposed to be inside your house that's where Pella window and door of georgia can step in uh, they can also offer you all kinds of uh, consultation opportunities you can do a virtual you can do a in-home it's free to get a chance to speak to those Pella experts about how their windows and doors can make things better for you it's a no pressure consultation expert advice to explain to you the installation option or the 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 just the, the, the variety of choices, the one that fits you the best. That's what they can provide for you. Free quote. Answer any questions you might have there as well. And one of your biggest questions is probably how much can I save when I choose Palo Window and Door of Georgia? Well, that's where I can tell you that. Because between now and November 27th, a few more days to take advantage of this, you can get 40% off qualifying installations or payments as low as $99 a month when you make regular payments. So a couple different ways to get in touch. And if you're watching on video, you see it on your screen, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or you can give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Just tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily said that they you, would take good care of you because I know that they will. All right, we're going to do uh, John Stinchcomb here in a moment. We'll do a classic city logger insider update and get some thoughts from John about where things stand right now. I do want to pause for a moment, though, and go around the doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And, yes, Saturday was obviously a great day. We had talked so much, and we'd heard from Georgia players on this, about the possibility that uh, that, that Jordan Davis might get that Heisman moment. We know that Davis has miraculously put together a wonderful season that has put him into the Heisman conversation and around here we're really you know thankful that we've gotten a chance to play a role in that we've pushed the hashtag JD to NYC campaign national media and others kind of following in behind us on that and I just I think it's been great it's been so much fun to see it's been fun to see it take shape and we've also been pretty honest with the idea and there you go that's a nice photo of the Davis if you're watching a video anyway the nice photo of the Davis touchdown by the way <laughs> Look at John Fitzpatrick and others there who are doing a good job blocking and opening that hole. 
Think about this. Your payment for opening up a hole and blocking for the Davis touchdown is this gigantic mountain of a man who's going to uh, uh, come behind you and score a touchdown and fall on you. You can only imagine what that felt like. And then the attempt to lift Davis up after a score the way that you typically do, that was great to see. The whole thing this year has just been fun. But one thing we've kind of acknowledged was, hey, you know, um, if Davis is going to really be in this Heisman discussion more than just a guy that's on the list, if he's going to really be, as we've said before, in New York City as a Heisman finalist, then you've got to try to find that next big moment for him. You've got to do something that kind of stands as a highlight. People speak the language of video here these days, and that probably matters more than any kind of stat or anything like that that opportunity to do those things and so giving him that touchdown was just kind of a signal to the rest of college football hey here's a player worth paying attention to and a lot of the media were already doing that a lot of the Heisman voters I believe are already doing that but this was just sort of that next step it's also just kind of a fun thing to do I think it's actually really cool that Kirby Smart would actually even allow this to happen here in 2021 if you want to go back a couple of years ago I'm not quite so sure that Smart would have necessarily even done that this feels like the kind of thing that smart may have just shrugged off you know been too focused on other things to pay attention to but I feel like that smart's enjoying himself this season I think he's enjoying coaching this team and I think he's willing to allow this team and the players on this team to kind of have some fun that maybe in the past he wouldn't have been as willing to do one way or another you know that just kind of my, my feeling on that either way all dog fans can agree great to see davis get into the end zone on saturday and then an incredibly special moment after the game and unfortunately i have to like kind of get my stuff together and get out of the stadium pretty quick because i gotta go to the bookstore and get set up for the dog nation post game show which i'm always happy to be able to do there at the uga bookstore but every now and then you might miss something including what i missed on saturday and i'm thankful that jeff Sintel is able to capture this with his own video so Davis, as a lot of you are aware, has always had a kind of a cool relationship with the Redcoat Band. I even t- retweeted a video yesterday from a video I took a couple of years ago with just how much fun Davis and the Redcoats have had together. And then, you know, they bring him over. They, you know, gift him with a kind of an honorary Redcoat Band outfit. They call him kind of an honorary member of the Redcoat Band. They allow him to direct the fight song there at the end. They play the the cool little tag there, the uh, Ode to Joy celebration there at the end of all of that which is um, kind of a cool thing there, too. This was one of those, I think for the people who were in the stadium, I, I know that my wife actually texted me after this had happened because she knew I wasn't in the stadium when this occurred, and she's like, oh, Brandon, you missed this. Um, tells me all about it and talks about just how special it was. And as I was walking across the bridge to, to go to the bookstore, I could hear a huge cheer. I could tell that something out of the ordinary had happened at the end of the game because it was a little bit unusual to have – you know, that kind of loud, boisterous cheer at the end of a game that had been decided two hours prior to that. Just a little bit unusual to have, you know, something along those lines. So I knew something had happened. I had a, had an assumption it was probably related to senior day. But, I mean, this is just one of those things. I think if you're in the stadium when this occurred, it's just incredible. And for those of us who've just really loved telling Jordan's story here this year, I just think this is an appropriate uh, just an appropriate moment all the way around. I've told you all before, I, I'm just the most sentimental guy in the world. And I think about how quickly a lot of these careers come. By the, by the way, there's also something incredibly like theatrical and dramatic about Davis and that big back with the uh, band right in front of him there. That just makes for an unbelievable, it's just an unbelievable image. It almost seems fake or something. That's just really, something about that is is is, is very, very uh, meaningful all the way around. So it was just a great day. And 
great job of the Red Coat Band. Around here, we're just gigantic fans of the Red Coat Band. They've been making the atmosphere for both home and away games special for a long time, and they really outdid themselves. And Davis himself outdid himself. You know, Davis is just not one of these guys that takes himself overly seriously. He's a huge star now in college football, and he's likely to be a very rich man coming up very soon. But any of you who've ever interacted with him, he doesn't act that way. He, you know, he prays with the mom before the game. He uh, runs up there and uh, gives a little love to the Red Coat Band frequently. Um, he's a Georgia football player and a Georgia football fan, it would seem. And you just can't get enough of that. You, you just can't. So great job to everyone involved for uh, all of that. That is Around the Doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And obviously... One of the things we talked before about saving money and the fact that's the kind of thing that everybody wants to do right now. And one of the most important ways you can save money is with your auto insurance, because let's face it, every dollar matters right now. A lot of you know that we talk about uh, AAA here a lot. And when I say, you know, legendary roadside assistance, we had AAA come over and help us the other day with a little issue we had with a car. I'm thankful to have it because I'm not great with that kind of stuff. I just you know, I have to admit I'm just not. So I'm thankful that AAA can come over and really very quickly handle your business with an automobile, get you back on the road. So I'm glad for that. But also, I want to encourage you to consider AAA for your auto insurance there as well, because when you switch and save, you can save on average $529. Can you imagine what you could do with $529 here this holiday season for all the gifts you have to buy or the you know the parties that you're going to or the, the get-togethers with family that you're getting ready to enjoy? I can promise you, I know in my household, $529 goes a long way. And so for yours there as well, I'm sure that's true. So check them out online, AAA, at AAA.com slash auto insurance and learn how easy it is to switch and save with AAA and take advantage of what could be an extra $529 in your pocket. Let me also say this before I bring on John Stinchcomb there as well. A lot of you have heard us talking about the uh, big uh, dog nation chase the championship tailgate that's going to be going on two Saturdays from now uh, at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Home Depot backyard, right there next to that Kroger and Marlowe's Tavern, make all that possible. I've been telling you about those tickets. Well, I guess over the weekend that did sell out. So here's the way this works, that that there's only so much space, there's only so much food and beverage, and there's only so many T-shirts. That's, a, that's actually one of the bigger things. There's just only so many T-shirts that we have to give out for something like this because the T-shirt's always really popular. It's the Chase for the Championship T-shirt. But what I am being told is this, is that the Dog Nation Chase for the Championship tailgate is officially sold out. However, there is a waiting list that we're trying to put together. Now, with waiting lists and things like that, there's never a guarantee. And frankly, I'm thankful that I'm not even really involved in the logistical part of, you know, who gets the spots and who doesn't. But I do know that if you go to dognation.com, the same tab that's been up there where you have a chance to buy your tickets before, now it's officially sold out, but you can get on the waiting list. And I would encourage that you do that because obviously those that get on there the quickest are going to have the best chance of having some of that space for the Kroger and Marlowe's Tavern making it possible. It's open bar. It's all you can eat. It's fun entertainment dog nation chase of the championship t-shirt it's just going to be a uh, great day noon to three right there on the day of the championship game at the home depot backyard next to mercedes-benz stadium so open waiting list is available for you and we'll see from that waiting list who we can actually convert into a ticket holder there for that event so hope you'll check that out all right so a lot happening around dog nation we told you before five-star commitment gene singletary great moment for jordan davis clean old-fashioned hate coming up on saturday and we now know that georgia will play alabama in the sec championship after that so no better person to help us break all this down with than our great friend john stinchcomb former uga all-american let's find out his thoughts on the dogs as we do on marlowe's excuse me as we do a classic city lager insider update with john right now make sure you check that out 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to uh, John Stinchcomb here, Classic City Logger Insider Update with John. Certainly appreciate his time as per usual, and I'm sure John's getting ready for a great Thanksgiving. I hope everybody's getting ready for all of that. Of course, plenty of football in and around that before we get there. Uh, John, I do want to ask you about the uh, moment for Jordan on Saturday. I thought that was fun, but I guess really quickly here, let me also get a thought from you. Dan Mullen out as Florida coach, obviously a new chapter in this Gator-hater rivalry about to be turned here, and for Mullen, just always a very tough comparison in light of the things that Kirby Smart does well. Mullen, I think his image seemed to suffer by comparison and all of that, and the uh, Mullen era gone too soon for a lot of UGA fans, unfortunately. <laughs> what a precipitous fall that was. Yeah. Huh? I mean, you're looking at representing the SEC East last year and then following a debacle of a season where you just lost to Missouri in overtime, Dan Mullen ends up in the can. So uh, it, it, no one probably would have predicted that at the start of the year, but, man, uh, certainly is a wild turn of events. Well, I'll just say this really quickly, and I've said this a lot over the course of the last couple of years, which is that the two narratives that exist around the coaches in this Georgia-Florida rivalry, they could not coexist next to each other for very long. This notion that somehow Dan Mullen was the better X's and O's coach, and eventually that would be the thing that won out here in the SEC East compared to Kirby Smart, who was the better Jimmy's and Joe's coach, better at acquiring talent, and somehow Mullen didn't have to worry about having players that were as good as Kirby's in that um that that you know the 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 recruiting stuff on that was you know just going to be the thing that ultimately you know won the day for Kirby now putting aside for the fact that I think the Kirby's probably actually a little underrated as an X's and O's coach this notion that Kirby the better recruiter Dan Mullen the better play caller the better you know play designer that somehow that one of these two things had to give and I think that for Georgia fans regardless of the fact that they root for Kirby I think a lot of Georgia fans who follow this stuff very closely just know that no team's ever going to be as good as the players that it puts out there on the field it's one of the reasons why Georgia fans always had confidence in Kirby versus Mullen because Kirby just understood that in a way that Dan Mullen either didn't or pretended not to so not only is the uh, Mullen legacy falling fast here but the narrative that somehow you can out coach a team with better talent I think that's I think that's eroded pretty quickly too and and to minimize smart as just a good recruiter I think is woefully inefficient picture of what he brings to the table I think what makes uh, what they're doing in Athens, led by Kirby, so special is that it's a combination. Uh, you know, he's obviously gotten great talent to come, but it's the development, it's the execution, and uh, the high level of performance. You don't just collect great players. Uh, one of the best draws for great players is putting them in great systems, and that's, I think, what's underviewed when you just minimize what Kirby and his staff are doing is being able to recruit well. I mean, that, that, that's not accurate. And, and complete, yes, they're getting great players. That part is very much true. But to say that's all they're doing is, is not close to what the picture is for Georgia right now. I mean, they're developing talent. They're making them better. And when you put that in contrast to where Florida has been, you know, I I will say I think Dan Mullen is a very sharp mind offensively. But um, that's not enough, and and that's what we've seen. That's how it's played out in Florida because um, they they weren't able to keep pace. I mean, 
four years of an experiment of uh, the Dan Mullen experience in Florida, and it ends with a, pretty much a disaster. So I think you just compare the two programs and how they're built, and, and you realize that, um, one, you have to get great players to come play for you, and, and a big piece of that is what you're going to do with them once they, once they get to campus. And obviously, uh, Georgia's built in a fashion that continues to bring great players. We saw another one commit this week. So uh, that's how you build sustainability and you stay at the top. Uh, we talked before you joined us too about the big moment for Jordan Davis on Saturday and obviously we've been big fans of Jordan's for a long time this year in, in particular and I think this is cool for a number of reasons first of all I, I do think it really really sets him up to be what we think we know that it is a truly special player you're always gonna have good players you're always gonna have team leaders in most years you may even have seniors who decide to come back and 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 really lift the spirits of the team for doing that and yet somehow Davis even in the midst of that category still seems to be in a category uh, that that's really special and worth honoring and I'm glad that Georgia did that I also think it's kind of a signal of the fact that maybe Kirby is I just don't know that two or three years ago he's doing something like this you know you know Kirby's a, a guy that is wound pretty tight and that that tension serves him pretty well usually the fact that he you know, runs so hard and drives it so hard, burns the candle at both ends, is, has been good for Georgia football. But he's now, I think, also showing you that other dimension to his personality, which is that he has the ability to pump the brakes, pause, appreciate the, the opportunity to have some fun and do something just because it's cool, and allowing Davis to score a touchdown and honoring him in that special way. I think in, in a lot of ways maybe it shows some, some growth in Kirby as a coach that he's willing to, so to speak, let his hair down a little bit. I, I just could not get enough of the entire day for Davis on Saturday. The touchdown at the beginning of the game, the way the Redcoats honored him there at the end, uh, this made a otherwise forgettable Charleston Southern game an unforgettable moment, I think, for most UGA fans. <laughs> and, and a culmination of a player who has become more and more endeared and endearing to the fan base, right? I mean, Jordan Davis is obviously a talent, but I think as we get to know him better and, and through the years, uh, appreciate who he who he is and what he's brought to that locker room and the leadership and just the personality that he possesses. I mean, Georgia fans are going to be talking about this guy for a long time, and it's not just because he's one of the most dominant defensive linemen that we've seen in this era. Um, a lot has to do with the fact that he's such a likable guy and i think that's what you do you you award and reward uh players that have committed to the program and, and helped build something that's really special and done it in a way that uh you've enjoyed to be a part of and i think that's what the expression is uh all the teammates all have nothing but great things to say about him not only as a player but as a man and uh, given that opportunity, you know, uh, across the world, big men rejoice anytime you see that kind of play. <laughs> so uh, to, to honor him and, and recognize uh, and give him that opportunity, not just Georgia former big bodies, but all, all the ones across the country are going, man, that's really cool because it is. It is really cool. I want to turn my attention to this, and I think you're a good person to talk to because you know, you're a Georgia alumnus, but you're also kind of an Atlanta area native. You know, you're a Gwinnett County guy. That's where you played your high school football. And so you're kind of in the epicenter of what the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry, you know, where the, ge where the geography kind of matters more than anywhere else. You're kind of the guy that, that would be true for. And, you know, John, 
we're just in kind of a weird place with this rivalry in that the two teams are going to play on Saturday for the first time in two years, and yet I'm just not hearing that much about it. Now, maybe the week will change. Maybe we will hear about it. Obviously, the fact that Tech's not very good has an impact on that. I think they would if they lose on Saturday, I think it would be their third consecutive year with only three wins. They're 34-point home underdog, haven't won in that stadium against Georgia since 1999. And to be fair, it's not that Tech never wins in the series. They won in 2016. Kirby Smart's actually taken a loss to Georgia Tech in his career. And, you know, you want to go back. I don't mean to bring up bad memory, but, you know, during your career, you were part of a couple of losses Mm -hmm. to Georgia Tech. So it's not as if Tech is incapable of ever winning in this series. That's not what I'm saying. But the game itself just doesn't feel like much. And I don't know. What do you think the current state of Georgia, Georgia Tech as a rivalry is beyond the fact that one team's very good, one team isn't, but just the nature of the rivalry in general? What do you make of this right now? Well, I think it comes down to the fact that the programs are still far apart. I mean, there were years where um, there was hope and, and encouragement from Georgia Tech, and they felt like they had uh, a program that was on the rise, and obviously that's just not the <laughs> not the current state of affairs. And, you know, I'm not trying to throw heavy shade on what they're doing, but uh, when you're looking at the two programs um, just with an unbiased eye, you can see that uh, that affects every uh, – anytime you have a rivalry, that if, if there's that much parity between the two teams, it's obviously going to be an issue. So – um, and I think that's what it boils down to, and, and Tech fans understand that. So they've kind of shelled themselves back up, and uh, you don't have the, the chatter that you can experience when they feel like they have a chance because, obviously, uh... Johnny, are you with us? I think we may have lost you there for a second. Are you with us? Yeah. Okay, that, yeah, yeah now, now you're still there. Yeah, I think that I think that everything that you're saying is true. And I guess, John, what it leads me to is this, which is that, you know, we're going to see a scenario in a couple of years where it's entirely possible that Georgia no longer plays Auburn each and every year. That's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. And that's a game that which Georgia fans still do view as a rivalry, even though Auburn hasn't exactly been at a championship level the last few years. Georgia fans haven't changed their mind about that rivalry. They still care about it. But there's a chance that the tectonic shift within uh, college football is going to to cause those two teams to no longer play on a yearly basis it's at least a possibility so understanding that anything can change looking forward do you still think there's a strong argument for even these two teams playing every year uh, going forward and if they stop playing I'm starting to wonder how much folks on either side might even really kind of notice I mean what do you think about uh, the future of Georgia Georgia Tech as a series right now I mean, I think right now everything's on the table, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing that's been left untouched. And, uh, you know, it, it's the evolution of college football. And uh, I think you see when you're able to move teams like Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC and you go, wow, the implications that that, that might lead to and uh, just the, the disparity across the NCAA, I and mean, we've seen changes that probably haven't been felt yet, but certainly will soon uh, in the near future of, of how they're stratifying, you know, Division One and and various programs. And really, there's you're talking about different animals. And I think uh, where Georgia is as an athletic department, especially with their football team and their football program, 
there is a, a major difference in the approach, the abilities, um, and, and just where the program is at. So is, is it on the table? Is that something that should be considered moving forward? I think absolutely. And it's just not the, not the way it was. It's not the same um, battle that was possible. And I, I recognize that they won a few years back. As you mentioned earlier, that was still in the Kirby Smart era. But, um, yeah, it, it's just not the same anymore. And as, as the, the landscape changes across really all of college football, uh, rivalries will certainly change as well. It's our Classic City Lager Insider Update with John Stinchcomb. And, of course, Classic City Lager goes great with everything you've got going on here. Holiday parties coming up, getting together with family over the course of Thanksgiving. Gathering around some good cold beer is always a great way to share special moments with those that you love and enjoy spending time with. And that's why we recommend Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's a taste of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. Wherever you're doing your shopping, it's available in six and 12-pack cans all year long. Lager-style beer, lighter in color. But this is a craft-style lager. That means that uh, there's no sacrifice in flavor on this. It's the kind of really cool, painstaking process that results in a great-tasting beer that's a lager-style beer. It's a, it's, a, it's a unique product. It's a cool thing. And uh, Classic City Lager is uh, certainly one of our favorite things to tell you about here around Dog Nation. So check it out wherever you're doing your shopping as you're picking up everything else for Thanksgiving. Pick up some Classic City Lager there as well. It is good cold beer. All right, John, we will finish with this. This is probably the first of many of these conversations we'll have over the next couple of weeks, but we now know that Georgia's opponent for the SEC championship game is officially Alabama, as we assume that it would be. You and I do this each and every week as part of our Chase the Championship programming on the Dog Nation video channels, but let's bring it here there for a moment. Give me your early thoughts on how you think that Georgia matches up with Alabama now that we officially know that will be the opponent for the SEC championship game. Go ahead and give me an early preview for a couple of seconds here if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I'll say this. I think uh, it's clear Georgia's the number one team in the country, and they continue to prove that week in and week out. So whoever they're facing, uh, they're going to have a nightmare of a matchup. And now with that said, I think uh, Alabama has earned the number two spot. But you look at their performances this year, and and they're not that same team, uh, that vaunted team that fans are used to. So I can fully expect uh, that it would be a real possibility that in the SEC championship game that Georgia really distinguishes themselves as truly the number one team in the country. And uh, I think that's, that's a very viable option and opportunity for them to take advantage of in that SEC championship and, and put their claim on uh, there's a new sheriff in town. And um, I would not be surprised at all if, that how, if that's how the game plays out. Yeah, I think that's uh, really true. Um, I think that's all really well said. John, I appreciate your time. Thanks for being here on uh, our Classic City Logger Insider Update with you here today. We will look forward to getting a chance to speak to you soon. And as I said before, I hope you and your family are getting ready for a great Thanksgiving like the rest of Dog Nation here is right now and looking forward to some big games still to come for those dogs. Can't wait to talk to you about that more later on. There's a lot to be thankful for, and it's uh, one of those great things is being a dog. So go dogs. Have a great Thanksgiving to to UBA and your family and all of Dog Nation. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, great stuff from John Stinchcomb. Uh, Really, really good. Uh, We've also got a little bit of breaking news here that 
is probably not unexpected. It's the kind of thing that at one point in time was a rumor, but I guess has now become a little bit of a real thing. So we'll tell you about that coming up in a moment. Before that, though, I want to talk to you about my friends at Royal Caribbean for a moment. Obviously, we do cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean each and every day. And we told you about this on Friday for the very first time. The fact that in 2022, Dog Nation's hitting the seas with Royal Caribbean for an unbelievable event starting on April the uh, 25th there, a Dog Nation cruise, first of its kind of event for Dog Nation, the kind of thing that we can't wait to do. Independence of the Seas is the ship we're going to be on. It goes out of Port Canaveral. A lot of you had asked that, come back to Friday, of BA, what port are we sailing out of? It's Port Canaveral. We try to pick Port Canaveral because, as I've told you before, it's really the, the port that, from where I live in the Atlanta area and where a lot of you live there as well, and pretty much wherever you would be in Georgia, uh, that's the easiest port to kind of get to, that it's just a short drive. Uh, you know, it, It's just an easy place to get to. For a first-time cruiser especially, this is probably the most convenient cruise experience. We're going to go out of Port Canaveral on the Independence of the Seas. Uh, amazing itinerary that includes day in the, and NASOP. You've heard us talk about Perfect Day, Coco Cay. We're going to be there for that. Um, it's going to be the week of the NFL draft. That means on that Thursday night there on the high seas, we'll have a very special, I think, Dog Nation draft party. There's always the possibility we could have some special guests joining us. There are going to be some special Dog Nation events. I'll be there. Jeff Sintel will be there. Mike Griffith will be there. A lot of the Dog Nation folks are going to be on hands. But we want you to be there. We wanted to make this the biggest year for Dog Nation, and doing some things unlike we've ever done before was going to be a big part of that. So this is what this is going to be. Now, we're coming up on the time in which these can go on sale. And I already heard from some of y'all in Athens on Saturday. You said, B.A., I'm coming on the Dog Nation cruise, which – Makes me obviously very happy because I think it's going to be really fun. You know, a lot of what you see with us around here is, you know, we're obviously doing the show each and every day and we're kind of in work mode. It'll be kind of nice to be with some folks in kind of a non-work mode type uh, scenario where we're able to just kind of kick back and relax a little bit and, uh, you know, certainly uh, enjoy some R&R after what's been a very intense season and what can still be a very big season to come for UGA. We're all going to be needing a vacation when it's all said and done. So a Dog Nation vacation of this variety going on the Dog Nation cruise is going to be uh, really incredible. So I can't wait to get a chance to do that here coming up very, very soon. Let me also tell you this. This is just coming in. Uh, Eli Ricks, of course, LSU cornerback, um, is, uh, I guess, now in the transfer portal officially. we got multiple uh, recruits um, on, on this topic. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, Kendall Milton has now reached out uh, to Ricks. Ricks and Milton are very close friends. And at one point in time, when Ricks was on the recruiting trail, there was some thought that, well, hey, maybe uh, maybe Ricks might come to Georgia because of how how closely he was related to Kendall Milton. They've just been you know longtime friends with each other. That never quite materialized. There was also some chatter a year ago that Ricks might enter the transfer portal this past offseason, and that didn't quite materialize either. But now, according to what I'm being told, that there are more substantive reports out there that Rick's, like a lot of other LSU players, now moving on from that program. And we'll see if this really involves Georgia at all. I mean, obviously, Georgia's in the midst of the Jaheim Singletary commitment, another example of this, in the midst of putting together a, a very deep crop of defensive backs for the class of 2022. The program is pretty deep in that regard, albeit with some younger guys on the field right now. But obviously, if you have a chance to make room for a guy like Eli Ricks, that is the kind of thing that most programs are going to do. So that is out there, and that is worth your consideration. Let me also mention something that John talked about before. And I thought it was really weird. So I was in Athens, obviously, on Saturday. Uh, we do the game, do the post-game show up in the UGA bookstore, then kind of go out and uh, we took my mom to the game on Saturday. That was kind of fun. 
Uh, really fun to be able to do that. My wife and kids were there too. So we all just went to dinner after the game and kind of looking for just kind of a casual dinner. I wanted to kind of relax and watch some football and have some food. I'm, I'm usually starved if the games are over with. But you're watching the Alabama-Arkansas game, and obviously a lot of folks there in Athens were very much glued to that, and they're cheering for Sam Pittman as I, I was there as well. You know, George fans like Pittman. They want to see him do well. But then you're watching this game unfold, and, you know, I'm sitting there having my dinner watching this game and just remembering that, you know, Georgia beat Arkansas 37 to nothing, but could have beaten Arkansas worse than that if Kirby had wanted to, and Georgia had plenty of reasons there, maybe against Pittman, not to want to excessively run up the score. But that day, I mean, Georgia could have made it as bad as it wanted to against Arkansas. And then you're left to, you know, see a situation where Arkansas was really giving Alabama everything it wanted. Similar situation, similar point spread. Uh, Alabama had the home game. Georgia had the home game. There was a lot of apples to apples comparison between Georgia in its domination of Arkansas and Alabama in its game against Arkansas. And frankly, by almost any estimation, Alabama just wasn't as impressive. And, and yet after that, boy, you got this chatter of, Oh, that explosive Alabama offense. And oh my gosh, you know, Bryce Young and la, 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 la. I mean, you have to twist yourself in knots. You have to ignore so much basic logic to look at Alabama and somehow say the game against Arkansas proves that Alabama is going to be a formidable challenge for UGA. Now, hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you that Alabama is not a formidable challenge for UGA. I, I believe that it is. What I am telling you, though, is is that the evidence to suggest that Georgia and Alabama are very close or that somehow Georgia is behind Alabama, the evidence for that is just incredibly lacking, whether it be head-to-head comparison against Arkansas, head-to-head comparison for the two teams against Florida, whatever you want to look at here. Alabama this season has just not been as impressive as Georgia. Now, I still believe the toughest game that Georgia could play is against Alabama, and for all the reasons that many of you think there as well. But this notion that somehow Georgia watches Alabama and realizes it has a lot to be afraid of, the fact of the matter is the evidence for the two teams this season suggests that there's a great deal of difference in favor of Georgia in comparison to the Crimson Tide. And that's not me saying the SEC champion is going to be easy. That's not me you know, already handing the trophy to Georgia because the truth is I do expect Alabama to challenge UGA I expect that to occur but I just think it's amazing as we're almost done with the regular season with Alabama again on Saturday playing a team that Georgia's already throttled I just think it's amazing how little evidence there is to support the idea that Alabama is as good as or better than Georgia this season just does not provide you with very many of those data points what else was interesting on Saturday? Obviously, Florida going to Missouri and losing was a big deal. And clearly, the audio at the end of that with uh, Eli Drinkwitz doing the May the Force Be With It thing. I mean, I think there must be an SEC bylaw. If you get dunked on like that by a dork like Eli Drinkwitz, then your career has to come to an end. There, you know, I know Dave Matter, who covers Missouri for one of those uh, news entities up there in the Show Me State, was talking about all the SEC coaches that have been fired immediately after losing to Missouri. So maybe there's something to that. But when you see Drinkwitz literally just dunking all over Dan Mullen, of course, you remember last year, Mullen probably didn't do as much as he could to – to calm down a fight at the end of the game and the ha- halftime of the game against Missouri wore the st- you know the dumb Darth Vader costume when the uh, game was over with and you know clearly Drinkwitz and Missouri remembered that and they really uh, really trolled him pretty well when that was uh, all said and done 
Uh, and then Auburn goes to South Carolina and loses. We told you before the year began that we thought that Shane Beamer had a chance relative to expectations to be one of the more impressive first-year coaches in the SEC. That's kind of turned out to be true. Now, Tennessee's been better than we thought. But it was significant that in the battle of first-year guys, Beamer got the win against Brian Harson. And I know the call there at the end was weird. I don't quite know on the basis of that little video evidence how you overturn the the punt there at the end that was said to have touched the Auburn player. I guess it was um, a Jalen Simpson who who they said the the football touched that turned into a South Carolina uh, possession, which allowed them to to run out that clock. But that play, notwithstanding that decision by the officials, notwithstanding as weird as it was, just a very disappointing first year for Brian Harson. And it looked like for a while that might not be the case. Now it looked for a while it might be a disaster. They had to rally to beat Georgia State. But then upon shaking that off, actually won some games and had, you know, a couple high, you know, high profile moments. Uh, the Ole Miss game stands as as one of those. And yet ultimately not being able to to really do much with some midseason momentum. The Bo Nix injury obviously impacts that there a little bit. But, you know, these are Auburn folks that expect to win. And that's not really what Brian Harson's providing right now. I think you're kind of left to wonder just what is Harson standing right now? with those uh, Auburn fans and you hear it said pretty frequently that if there was any candidate in the SEC of these relatively you know young coaches not to last very long at all at his current spot um, I, I guess Harson's an example of that as far as like the Florida coaching search you know you're going to hear names like uh, you know Mario Cristobal is going to show up there that's a guy that's got ties to the state of Florida and ties to the SEC now head coach at Oregon you know they got embarrassed against Utah on Saturday, but but Cristobal is is a good recruiter. That's an example of Florida getting some of what it has not had with its last two head coaches. If they want to go that direction, he's not a great offensive mind. That's a pretty conservative team, uh, but if they want to try to replicate some of the success that Kirby Smart's had at Georgia, Cristobal is probably the guy that comes close to help you being able to do that. Certainly, Lane Kiffin's name is going to be connected to the Florida job or the LSU job or maybe any number of jobs there as well. Obviously, there's always already been some scuttlebutt about him in Miami, uh, kind of worth considering. I saw where uh, <laughs> Mike Bianchi, who maybe has more egg on his face than anybody based on the column that he wrote in 2018 about what Dan Mullen was going to do there. He talked about the fact that he thinks that Bob uh, Stoops might be interested in this job, which is probably a pretty silly thing to even bring up. Uh, but nonetheless, Stoops, the former Florida defensive coordinator under um, – Steve Spurrier, who won a national championship at Oklahoma, has been out of coaching for a few years. I guess that's one of the names that will be mentioned there, too. And we'll just sort of see the race between Florida and LSU to get a good coach the quickest. We'll kind of see who wins out on a lot of that. Uh, but that's some of the stuff that's out there in the SEC right now. We're obviously getting ready for the Egg Bowl coming up on Thursday and then all the other rivalry games coming up after that. And we'll make that your SEC through Cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also say a couple of things here that – I talked on Friday's show, we're going to do more of this tomorrow, we just don't have time to do it right now, that we would learn a lot by how Ohio State played Mel Tucker, and well, you saw how that game went. It was a dominant performance for Ohio State. I think we can kind of start to learn some things about Georgia's path to the playoff. We, we said we would, and now I think we have, and so we'll probably get into more of that a little bit tomorrow. I also want to tell you about our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. Now, you know we're going to be there coming up Thursday, December 2nd for a big event tomorrow's in Brookhaven. I'm excited about that. But I'm also excited to bring back something we've been doing now for a long time. And this is always one of the most popular things we do around holiday time. Those great Marlowe's Tavern gift cards that come with a little bonus bottle of bubbly for you there as well. So when you buy, and you've heard me give you this offer before, and everybody always responds in such a great way. 
that when you buy a $50 Marlowe's Tavern gift card, no better gift than that right now during the holiday season, when you buy a $50 Marlowe's Tavern gift card, you're also going to receive a bottle of Michelle Brut sparkling wine. Now, what a great way to uh, celebrate what we think could be a great season for Georgia. A little uh, Michelle Brut sparkling wine to pop a top on that when uh, all things are done. Uh, that's always a, a really cool way to celebrate and a great way to ring in the new year that Marlowe's Tavern always kind of provides you. And uh, in addition to that, if you buy a $100 Marlowe's Tavern gift card, not only do you get the Michelle Brute Sparkling Wine, but you also get a bonus $20 Marlowe's Tavern gift card there as well. So great way to celebrate. They also offer the traditional gift cards, or if you want e-cards, you can get those there as well. And there are some new great menu items there to enjoy there too, including the sizzling spinach feta fondue and the, uh, the tres leches uh, delicious uh, dessert item there as well. So really, really fun stuff. Chef-inspired food, great cocktails, special get-together dinners, you know, holiday celebration. Marlowe's Tavern is perfect for that and those gift cards there too. $50 gift card gets you a Michelle Brute sparkling wine. $100 gift card from Marlowe's Tavern gets you the, the Michelle Brute sparkling wine, but also an additional bonus $20 gift card there as well. So go to marlowstavern.com and you can find out more about that. Great to have the holiday season back and great to have a really cool gift idea like that from our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. All right, we'll do a lot of Dan Mullen-themed golden shoes here on the way out the door over the course of the next few days as Mullen's tenure comes to an end there in Gainesville. By the way, if you missed the start of the show, we had a little bit of a tribute to old Dan, Cousin Eddie, as some of y'all like to call him. Uh, we had a tribute to old Dan the way only we can here at Dog Nation Daily, so I'll invite you to go back and check the beginning of the show if you missed some of that. But let me also give you this golden shoe today, just a little bit of a statistical uh, factoid I found to be pretty interesting. So John Paul Williams shares this, that Dan Mullen was 29-6 and six at Florida with playoff hopes until the moment that the Marco Wilson shoe toss happened. That's when the golden shoe began. And so because of that, that's something else that's not going anywhere either. Uh, we think the golden shoe, the shoe toss from Marco Wilson stands as one of the most significant things that's happened recently in the Georgia-Florida rivalry because how it changed everything. So as John Paul Williams points out, no reason for us to get rid of the golden shoe anytime soon either. By the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking gators, how about 341 days from right now, dogs go back to Jacks. We don't know who's coaching. But we know what the result's going to be. Uh, another big win there for UGA. More intensity from Kirby Smart. We will see you tomorrow here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia. And the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where we'll take your comments. You can always send them to me at Dog Nation Daily on Twitter or in the comment section at dognation.com. I want to read this here. This is really cool. I think I'm going to do something bigger on this for the show tomorrow during the regular show. But Dogfan2009 writes in, he says, I have a story that I hope that you'll feel compared to share to the entire Dog Nation audience. I'm from Cedartown, uh, Nick Chubb's hometown. We, we, like UGA, are the Bulldogs. Unfortunately, over the past one or two years, our community suffered multiple tragic teenage suicides in addition to several other non-suicide-related losses. Such a terrible thing to hear. Uh, however, uh, the commenter says that this year the school district has started several mo uh, movements in response to these tragedies. The first movement was the hashtag You Matter, where alumni from all over share statements to remind the students that they matter. The second movement is the Attitude of Gratitude. In response, Nick Chubb donated a bulldog to belong to all the students. His name is Fittingly Chubb. The idea of a living mascot is so that each student can have something that loves them unconditionally. Nick Chubb does so much for his hometown. He truly is a DGD and a role model for all children to look up to. Nick Chubb never wants the glory for his actions, but I feel his actions deserve to be shared with all of Dog Nation. 
yeah, this is an incredible story and great pictures of the dog. <laughs> Very cute dog. Um, uh, you know, just really a, a cool thing. And there's a picture of Chubb here holding up the You Matter from Cleveland, Ohio, from the uh, Polk County School District. It says Nick Chubb, a graduate of the Cedartown High School class 2014, wants our students to know that they matter all the way from Cleveland, Ohio, where he plays football for the Cleveland Browns. That is a really amazing thing, and I'm really glad to have found out about that. And as I said before, my plan is to do more on that topic on the uh, big show tomorrow, but, I mean, you wouldn't expect anything less from Nick Chubb. He's just always so good at stuff like that. And, honestly, it's so sad to hear that the folks there in Cedartown have been through so much. And I know just how harrowing that can be, and I'm so sorry for that. And it's certainly gratifying to see – way in which the community is rallying around some of this kind of stuff to obviously lay a foundation for happier days for the for the current students who've kind of lived through all that which is very tough and uh, the fact that Nick Chubb is a part of that there as well obviously a classy guy and a tremendous gesture and I know how much that community looks up to him the way we all do you know Chubb is a big part of Dog Nation even after all these years so I'm really thankful that you shared that, and obviously our prayer, prayers will be out there for that uh, community, but it's certainly an inspiring message in this Thanksgiving time that we're in right now. So good comments. Thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down today. Uh, we've obviously had some fun with uh, Dan Mullen today's show. We'll do some more of that in the uh, days to come, some of your great tweets to me and things like that will be a part of all of that so we'll have a fun week we'll get ready for tech on saturday and obviously a thanksgiving in between all of that so we will see you uh tomorrow dog nation daily presented by Pella window indoor of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then